Welcome to another episode of the Hat Collecting Talk Show, where we talk about the many different metaphorical hats that people wear in their lives, because no one does just one thing and everyone has a story. And here on the show, you get to hear those stories. I am your host, Lacey Artifice, a creative Jill of many trades, and I am joined today by Emma Scriver, who is a fat, loud, and shouty freelance journalist, a body image advocate, and a social strategist. Emma's pronouns are she and her. Thank you for being on the show, Emma. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, we did also uh, record a fascinator about uh, journalism. So I uh, look forward to that on YouTube as well. Uh, it's kind of a companion piece to this uh, episode. But the question that we like to open the show up with and break the ice is, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Mississauga, uh, which is just outside of Toronto. I feel like Mississauga made me a little bit scrappy <laughs> and a little bit rough and tumble. But I, I love that it, it did that for me. Interesting. I have yeah. not heard anyone describe Mississauga like that. So that's, a, <laughs> that's an interesting little take. It's very funny because every every other person that I know from Mississauga has always described it that way. I guess I don't actually know that many people from Mississauga, to be honest. <laughs> um, that's my fault, not yours. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, with that said, I will now do a uh, quick land acknowledgement here. Toronto or Takaronto is located on the traditional unceded territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Anishinaabe. This is a dish with one spoon treaty territory, and we are uninvited visitors on this land. To find out more about that, you can visit native-land.ca, which despite the .ca uh, address, it actually covers the whole world and not just Canada. So that is a uh, convenient place to get started in the learning about the Indigenous peoples of your area, but not where that journey should end, if possible. Um, so with that said, um, we're going to get into the show proper and uh, talk about the things that you do. So can you uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you do and how you got into them? Uh, I mean, what what don't I do? <laughs> um, so I like to describe myself as a Swiss army knife of a person um, because I, I went to school for one thing. Uh, so the one thing I went to school for was public relations. I graduated in 2006 and then I ended up working like a, a multitude of different jobs. So I've, I've been, I worked as a PR person. I've worked as an event planner. I've worked as a freelance journalist. I work full time now as a social media person, uh, what else have I done? Uh, I've, I think that's it. I think that covers it all. But uh, yeah, I, I have done a lot of things. Um, and it feels sometimes like the oh, oh, project management. Yeah, I've done that too. Uh, but sometimes it feels like it doesn't, it doesn't end. And I, I have a lot of jobs and I, I don't hate it. But I, I feel like to others, it's sometimes very confusing. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Uh, you know, I started this show, obviously, so I'm very familiar with wearing many different hats. And uh, I'm always fascinated by like, hmm, you know, five years from now, what new hats will I have picked up? And um, sometimes I might not wear a hat for many years. And then one day I'll put that hat back on. You never know. Mm hmm. 
Um, so yeah, what uh, another sub question to that question that I like to ask? Um, what would you say is maybe like the biggest misconception about? Uh, I guess you can start with like journalism. Uh, I guess the biggest misconception. Um, well, I mean, when I originally applied to go to school, um, I applied for both PR school and for journalism school. And the reason why I didn't actually go to J school was because I saw that the journalism industry was dying. <laughs> so um, I would say the biggest misconception is that this might be a controversial yet brave opinion. The journalism industry is not it's not having a great time right now. I don't think that's a, that's, I'm not like saying anything that's not new, but journalism is really needed and necessary. And I think local journalism is really needed and necessary uh, more than ever right now, because we need people telling those stories. And the fact that we don't have local newspapers out there is the fact that they're dwindling and we're not providing that sort of like funding to those local journalists where originally, um, you know, when people would graduate from J school, they would be able to find jobs in local papers. Like I remember when I was growing up, I would always read the Mississauga news and I'd be like, Oh my God, I want to work there. That's so cool. Like, does the Mississauga news still exist? I don't even know. I, I mean, I, I don't live in Mississauga, so I don't know. But like the fact that those local papers are so vital to telling those local stories. Um, and sometimes those local newspapers are the ones that are doing such incredible reporting that not even like papers like the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star or the National Post that they can even do. Uh, which is weird, <laughs> but uh, that's sort of my hot take. And would you say that um, since you actually went to school for the uh, the uh, public relations, mm -hmm. what would you say might be one of the biggest misconceptions about that field? Okay, so my the biggest misconception about that field is that. Public most people who work in public relations used to be journalists. So they actually understand both sides. And so it's interesting because when people who do pitch me uh, and who are PR people, I'm just kind of like, what why why are you doing this this way? Like you should know better. Uh, so it's interesting because, nine times out of 10, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of times I'm just like, you should, you should know how this works. Like, I don't know. I don't know why you don't know how this works. Uh, but yeah, a lot of times that's a big misconception is that a lot of people who used to work in PR actually are former journalists. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. Is, are there any other of the the hats that you wear that that you want to address like a particular misconception about? Or well, I think too one of the one of the other interesting things is now as the uh, as I said the media industry is is dying. Uh, all the people who are going into marketing jobs like social media and content writing are are all former journalism people. <laughs> so the people who are moderating your brand channels and uh, who are writing your copy for your, you know, Air Canada's and, uh, you know, Starbucks or whatever, they're, they're former journalists. We, we all have rent and bills to pay too. So uh, sadly, uh, we, we can't be paid in uh, articles per month. And we're all just trying to live under this capitalist system. Uh-huh. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next question here on the show list, um, when you were a child, do you remember what you wanted to be or to do when you grew up? Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. So there was two things actually. So when I first, my first, 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 thing that I wanted to do when I was a child was become a librarian. Uh, I was super into reading. Uh, I remember I used to spend a lot of time at the library and I would read Babysitter Club books and Sweet Valley High, obviously, because like that was the time. Uh, But then after that, I wanted to become a writer. So I mean, like, it's very cosmic that life has worked out in the way that it has worked out. Indeed. Yeah, no, like that's the thing. I feel like when I, on this show, I would say roughly uh, overgeneralizing, like one out of 10 people seem like they actually ended up kind of getting into or near the thing that they wanted to do when they were younger. And mm-hmm. then the other nine are like, oh, I still, I'm still interested in that thing, but like I'm doing this. And um, it, it doesn't surprise me because like I was one of those people who had a lot of different ideas growing up um, and pretty much none of them really, because I, I didn't realize that I was artistic until like later on. Um but yeah, I, and I also just, I'm going to take a second to, to apologize to the, the audience. Uh, my voice is a little bit rough today. I have been sick the last couple of days. So um, uh, hopefully it's, it's not uh, too, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be doing most of the talking anyway. So <laughs> um, I'll take it on. <laughs> um, so the next question kind of uh, like, there's this idea, one of the, the kind of cultural narratives that I push back against through the show, um, and this, this idea, and I think it was more, perhaps more true of like our parents' generation, that by the time we're kind of, you know, 30 or like in that, that range, that we're supposed to have our lives mostly kind of figured out and be on our path that we're going to be on. And, um, but that's, you know, for our generation and those after us, that's like less and less uh, common. So um, what age were you at when you kind of got onto your current path, assuming it's the path that you're happy on and you want to keep doing for a while? <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, how old was I? Uh, to be to be quite honest, I think probably when I turned thirty was when I started to realize, like, hmm, changes should be happening because things aren't right. 
but everything before then was just a, a hot mess of gobbledygook. <laughs> like I, I had a good job and I was doing, like I was working towards the things that I wanted, but life was not figured out in any sort of semblance or way. Um, and I was not making progress um, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, yeah. So I think when I turned 30, um, I started to sort of wake up, if you will, and be like, oh, maybe, maybe I, I need to make changes <laughs> in order to make these things happen. And now I'm going to be turning 38 in October. Uh, and I would say that now I'm only now am I starting to feel like things are good and I feel okay. And that doesn't mean that like things are magically like solved or better or like poof. All the things are gone. Um, but it's taken a really long time to feel like I'm getting somewhere, which is nice. Um yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I, I, I laugh because it's so funny. Yeah, I, I remember I definitely thought I had to be married with kids and have a great job by the time I was 30. And if I didn't, I was a failure. Uh, I don't like, no, like, I, I, yeah, none of that. None of that. Yeah, the, the first uh, elder guest that I had on this show um, was was saying that she felt that the, that your 40s are kind of like the the peak um, zone, I guess. And, and, you know, based on kind of the way things have been going for me and uh, a couple of other people I've talked to in like our late 30s, uh, I feel like that feels like a reasonable um, thing and like that's good because it means instead of it being like oh I'm like you know getting further and further away from like being in the in the right spot it's like oh no things are just getting to where they need to be so it, it helps with the outlook a little bit it, it totally does I feel like <laughs> sometimes I look back at where I was in my 20s and I'm like I was like, I thought that I had it figured out, but I definitely did not have it figured out. And now I look at where I've been and the progress that I've made throughout these last eight, nine years. And I'm like, damn, I've done so much work and I'm so proud of myself. And I don't think that I would have been able to get to where I am now had it not been for all this work that I've been doing throughout the last eight or nine years. And that's, that's good. That doesn't, I didn't like put goals or expectations on myself. I just kind of let it naturally happen. Do you think that there was uh, maybe one particular or more um, prominent obstacle or thing that, that prevented you from getting to kind of where you are or where you wanted to be sooner than you did? Myself. <laughs> um I mean, yeah, probably, I, you know, I, me, but also I think, you know, there was a lot of undiagnosed mental health issues that were happening and I didn't know that they were there. 
And until like I, I finally got diagnosed with ADD this year. I finally went on like antidepressants last year. Uh, it wasn't until 2015 that I finally got uh, diagnosed with complex PTSD. Like it would like all of these things finally happened. And it wasn't until I actually started working on all of that stuff and like actually having language and knowledge that like, Oh, this stuff is ha- like, this stuff is a thing that is happening in my body. And like, <laughs> in my brain uh and i didn't i didn't have that before and because i didn't have that knowledge or understanding or language or any of it i was just sort of i don't want to say volatile but i was just sort of an angry person who kind of would explode at other people and kind of just take out how i was feeling on others and I didn't know how to communicate properly with other people. And I think now I'm a self-actualized person who knows how to sort of communicate my needs and my wants. And I know how to like have better boundaries with people and I know how to hold space for other people. And I think that's huge. (laughs) Uh, And I think that helped me be in relation to other people in a much healthier way, uh, which is good professionally, but it's also good like personally um, because I can be better friends with other people, but, but I can also show up in a way in a working relationship way uh, So, for example, if people are trying to be, like, super weird and, like, high school and toxic in a work setting, I'm like, I just don't want to engage like that. Like, I just want to show up here and work, and I don't know what this is about. So, like, you do you, but, like, I'm going to be over here just putting my my spreadsheets together. Have have at it. (laughs) So, I'm just not – I'm not really interested in, like, politicking – anymore if that makes sense i i was gonna make a joke be like are you me like it's like <laughs> our, our 30s were, were similar in a lot yeah. of ways so yeah. that's always uh like relieving and encouraging when i hear that because i like i am a late bloomer in several senses and so like to find people my age who like are kind of just learning some of the same stuff now as I am it's like oh I guess maybe I'm not so like you know bad off that like because I my social development was really delayed and stuff and um yeah so that's that's kind of kind of helpful and encouraging for me and I'm sure some of my audience as well Mm -hmm. um but uh, the next question here on the list uh comes around to this idea of self-care and it's something that think uh the the perception of it i think is is changing now because it's being talked about more and more um and people i think in our generation are having to do it more and more mm-hmm. um and but it it doesn't have to be like really fancy or extravagant it can be very simple and um just whatever just gives you that little extra bit of relief or comfort in a day and so i like to ask my guests what was the last act of self-care you did for yourself no matter how small it was okay so i would have to say 
Actually, I tweeted about this yesterday. Um, so ever since I started on my ADD meds, I, let me actually, let me restart. So for the last two years, we, we just moved, uh, my partner and I, we just moved into our apartment two years ago and I've had a really hard time uh, on the outside. It looks like I have my shit together, which like kind of, <laughs> but not really. And I think, um, when you have ADD, there's this like thing where you not you have to have things in kind of like piles and like it makes sense to you, but it doesn't really make sense to anyone else. Um, so when I started on my ADD meds, it's been about mm, a month or so now, I think, or just over a month. Uh, I got I wanted to sort of like get rid of my piles. Uh, and that was a huge thing for me. Anyways, I ended up organizing all of my drag wigs and all of my makeup and all of that stuff. And it, it like was crying because <laughs> I was just like, it's taken me like two years to do this. And it seems so small. It doesn't seem like a big thing, but to me, it was huge because it was like, it's taken me so long to do this. And I get that, like, for others who are just like, yeah, I go about my day living normally. But for me, who had like, <laughs> like, it just felt like the biggest mountain that I would have to climb to try and like sort through all of this to just finally do it. I was like, I can't believe I actually did it. And then I was just looking at all of this organization and I was like, wow, I'm so proud of me. And it felt so good. Uh, and I realized that feels like work. It feels like not, not self-care, quote unquote, that's supposed to be like a nice thing that you do for yourself. But I just kept looking at it and being like, I did that for me and it felt good. So, Yeah. I relate to that so much. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not formally diagnosed, but I'm, you know, I'm diagnosed with autism, but not formally ADHD. But um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I've become so much more like versed in the kind of concept of like executive function or executive dysfunction and, mm -hmm. and like that idea of like organized messy and like, yeah, exactly. Like I look, anyone else looks at my living space and they'll just be like, how do you function? And I'll just be like, if it wasn't like this, I wouldn't function. That is the point. Yes, 100%. So yeah. I, I gotcha. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you understand. Um, so the next question here on the list, what was the last new thing that you learned and what is something else you'd still like to learn? Oh, okay, the last new thing that I learned... Uh, I okay. This uh, this sounds silly, but I've been learning how to make videos on TikTok, which I'm very excited about. It sounds silly and ridiculous, but like I I'm trying to get into it. I'm like I can make videos. I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm I'm not an elder millennial. I've got this. Uh, <laughs> I'm like a Gen Z. I got this. It's like, do you know that meme? Uh, Hey, my fellow kids, <laughs> I'm that right now. 
so I was very excited for myself. Way to go me. Um, and then what I would still love to learn is, I think we talked about this before, but I really want to learn uh, how to Twitch stream, which I know sounds really stupid. Like you should just go and do it like, duh like everything else. I had a call with a friend of mine who lives in New York last week and uh, they just sort of walked me through like, this is how I do my Twitch stream. This is what I use. And I was like, okay, cool. I just, I just, I, I just got to do it. Like, I think I got to stop making excuses. It's kind of like the TikTok thing. I just got to like go out and do it. So uh, if I can be uh, any help with that, I would be happy to. Um, yeah. That's I, it's funny because I've been sort of trying to do the same thing with with my roommate who is an actor, and I was like, "You just you have the the perfect person because Twitch is about personality. Yeah. Like, yes, you can just play a game on there, but like if you actually have a personality, you will people will watch and they'll stick yeah. around. And it's like so you just literally have to get on there and you'll have fun and people will show up and um showed showed my roommate like literally it's it can be this simple it doesn't have to be complicated you can do the most like dummy proof you know 30 seconds setup and kind of just hit play and go and um yeah it's it's but like you said it's just a matter of like they, they still haven't uh still haven't done it but um yeah it's Anyways, I won't go too much in a rabbit hole on that one, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I, I found that because I have, I've learned so much about it through doing it and trying to figure out how to like improve my own process that like, man, this is really cool. I want more people to learn how to do this because I look, this is a cool community. I want more people to be in here. So if I can help you with that, I would be happy to. Maybe, maybe that's, that's another discussion. Perhaps. Um, <laughs> so, okay, back on track. Now. Yeah. Um, I am having a little bit of a, of a goldfish brain here. Um, yeah. So this next question, uh, it comes from this idea of how when we're well, in school, particularly like grade school and, and high school, that there's these certain subjects that we're told are like so, so important and crucial for life. Cause you know, you can't get a job or you can't do this or that without it. Usually like math is one, but like, you know, like arts and, and things like that are not considered that important. But, you know, once we get out of school and we get into like the working world or whether we're doing like, you know, freelance stuff or we get like a formal like tradesy kind of job or whatever. Um, I find I've heard a lot of stories about the, the kind of skills or, or kind of special knowledge sets that you pick up from being in the actual real working world that you wouldn't get in school and how those can sometimes be applied in like unexpected, but like useful ways to something unrelated. And so that is a long convoluted way of, of prefacing. Um, are there any skills or kind of special information sets that you have uh, applied in an unexpected but useful way and not the way that they were kind of intended for? <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, uh, I learned social media just by doing it because in 2006, social media did not exist as like a thing. So I think I even have this in my LinkedIn bio because it's funny, but in my first job that I ever had was when like Twitter not I don't think Facebook so don't quote me on that but like Twitter and LinkedIn had 
just first like launched and a client that I had at the time was like, where should we launch? Should we go on Twitter or LinkedIn? And I was like, obviously you should go on LinkedIn. Like that's going to be really popular. And I look back at it and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, but you can't know what you don't know, obviously. Like one, it was like, what, two, 2006, 2007? Like, what the hell? Obviously, like we didn't know Twitter was going to be what Twitter is today. But I think so. And it's kind of like new platforms that are coming out now. So I guess what I'm trying to say is all of what I've learned about the internet has been (laughs) social media has been through like being online. So sometimes when social media jobs were first coming out and they were like, we need 10 years experience. It's like, Oh, so you want somebody who was like on AOL. Got it. Sounds good. I I mean, like, yes, I, I, have you ever seen the show pen 15? I don't think so. Okay. There there's an episode of Pen15 where one of the girls is she's on like all these AOL chat rooms. Anyways, I was just gonna make a throwback to that. But um they've like basically you just want somebody who was like talking dirty on AOL chat rooms and being like a weird horny teenager. Got it. That was me. I, I, I was that person and I can, I can do that for you. <laughs> like, I, 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 like nobody was on, like, nobody's an expert in the internet with like 20 years experience. Get out of here. Like, so I, I mean, I would say that, but otherwise I, I think can't really think of anything that I've picked up over the years. I've always, for me, it's always been, I never feel like I stopped learning and I always try and go to one class a month, but it also depends on my schedule. So I, I'm naturally curious. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, it's again, one of the kind of, I think one of the underlying values that kind of creates the sort of people that, that this show exists for and because of, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the same way myself. And um, yeah, the next question here on the list, uh, I guess a little bit uh, related to that. Um, what would you say are your two most dissimilar hats? And in this context, the hats being uh, whether skills or interests. So do you mean like uh, things that I'm not good at? No, just like, sorry, I didn't preface this question. I realized mm-hmm. as I was saying it, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just keep going. Um, it, it's It kind of comes from this idea of how like, it, it sort of never ceases to amaze me when I talk to people how like the the really like um, extreme example that I the not even real example the thing I just came up with um, a few episodes ago was like if I was you know having a doctor on the show and they told me that they really liked ping pong that's not something I would ever expect that mm. a, a doctor would also be a ping pong player though just seems very strange and unrelated but it's entirely possible and so it's kind of like trying to find some kind of uh maybe maybe not not necessarily doesn't have to be like this crazy wisdom in it or anything but like just 
what are, I guess, two things that you uh, you do or you're kind of known for that maybe to other people seem very unrelated, but like they make sense to you? Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess the first thing I would say is I've tried, like, I did a drag makeup class during the pandemic. And so what I've been trying to do is practice uh, with friends. So I have been doing it sort of in zoom chats privately with friends. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm not going to perform somewhere. This is weird. Um, and I mean, for people who know me personally, it probably makes a lot of sense because people know I have been watching I have been watching Drag Race since Drag Race came out and like drag, drag race is problematic, obviously. Like they're so, we had an entire episode about that on the podcast about how problematic drag race was. But um, I mean, I, I also go out and like watch local drag. Like I really love and support drag period. And there was something about just the first time that I did drag that there was this like euphoric moment that happened. And when we were recording the problematic drag race episode, uh, we had uh, the Queens from the good, good Judy podcast on. They were like, yeah, that's, that's how you feel when you do drag. Like that's, there's this like gender euphoria that happens. And I was like, Oh, oh! I didn't know. I didn't know. So it, it makes me feel good, and I I don't know if I will ever perform, but like, it makes me feel nice. And like, it like, what is gender? I don't I don't care. Like, it just is a nice thing for me, and it doesn't need to be for anybody else. And if it makes me feel happy, that's all that matters. Uh, so I'm sure that. Probably for other people, they're like, oh, that's that's not something that we would expect. And I'm not doing it to, like, go out and perform. I'm just doing it because it makes me feel nice. I got dressed in my wigs last night for no reason. I just was like, I feel good. I look good. <laughs> like, whatever. And then I guess the, the other thing would be um, I really like collaging. I find it very therapeutic. It just, it's really nice. At the start of the year, I did like a a vision board for what I wanted this year to be. It's just makes you zone out and you're just like, these are just sort of what I'm putting together. This is my, my mood, my vision, my vibe. Yeah. Sometimes I do that by just, uh, if I decide I want to like collect inspiration for something, I'll go to Google images, I'll create a folder on my computer and I'll just spend like, you know, 15 minutes and I'll just save any, any stuff that I see that, that interests me or that, you know, and I have a folder on my computer that's literally just called like imagery. And it's just, anytime I come across something, I'm like, that could inspire me to like make some kind of art at some point. So, um, and like I have one for tattoos as well. And like one for like um, just, you know, all the like really frilly feminine attire that one day I'd like to, you know, own and wear. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, um, 
I didn't really ever understand Pinterest before. And then this year I got into Pinterest and now I get it. And um, when we were actually working on the podcast website, our, our web designer, I sent her an email and I was like, sorry, I got really like high last night. So I just smoked like an entire joint and I put accidentally a hundred pins in the folder. I'm sure you will <laughs> find something in here that works, but Pinterest gets you like that. You, you just zone out and you're like, Oh, these are good pins. Yeah. The thing that I remember, I did uh, have a very brief Pinterest obsession one year. Um, but like I sort of got on there more recently because I was like, I wanted to like literally have stuff for the show on as many platforms as I could. But I find Pinterest is actually pretty clunky to use. Mm. Um, I mean, if you're actually like uploading your own stuff, if you're just kind of like saving stuff you find, that's that's a little bit easier. But um, yeah, it's uh, but I mean, yeah, the, the actual the concept of it for sure. It's, it's yeah. like I definitely see how it, how it appeals to um, certain people for certain reasons. But um, so actually, on a somewhat related topic, the, the next question here. Um, this is a newer one that I'm sort of trying out, and we'll see if it stays in the show or not. But I've been starting to ask my guests, what do you think is the best aspect about modern technology and the worst aspect of modern technology? Mm, okay, best. Um, the best aspect, I think, is that how we have such a quick capability to connect with one another so I think the thing is during the pandemic, we were so isolated and we didn't have the ability to sort of like physically see each other, but we were able to virtually connect with one another. Um, and it was interesting because even once we had like Zoom fatigue, if you will, um, I was still able to sort of like connect with friends of mine. Uh, we would send each other voice notes, which was really like that became a big thing between all of us. So we we didn't really want to do Zooms or Google Hangouts or anything like that. But voice notes became our thing, sending voice notes and flowers, which was really nice. So I think it's that is the big thing is that the connectivity that you can have the worst thing about <laughs> digital connectivity and all of this is, um, whew, where do I begin? <laughs> There's, uh, I think we were also talking about this too. There's so many like craggly bits uh, of the internet that are deep and dark and really scary and um, it's just really sad to see the effect that they can have on people, both mentally and emotionally. Uh, and I try and sort of like remove myself as best as I possibly can, because I know the effect that it has on me. I don't like the way that the internet makes me feel sometimes. It makes me feel bad. Um, 
So I've tried to distance myself from it as much as possible, um, which is funny that it's my job. <laughs> but I, I know that like reading some of that stuff can have a huge effect on you. And I know that comments that people make can sort of stick with you and you can sort of obsess over like, why did this person unfollow me? Or why is this person like subtweeting about me? Or why is this person like doing X, Y, and Z? And you're just, it can just, it can be a not great place to be. So uh, the internet is both good and bad uh, for a variety of different reasons. And I have a very complicated relationship with it. Uh, but I know that that's also my, my own sort of personal hangups and other people can have their own sort of relationship to the internet. Uh, I just sort of, you know, do what I have to. I did a recent uh, Facebook purge <laughs> where I got rid of a bunch of people because uh, somebody was sharing some of my Facebook posts, uh, to other people. And I was just like, I don't got time for this. Like, this is, this is childish and the uh, high school and we're like almost 40. Like what is happening here? So you're all cut from the team. Y'all gotta go. Uh, being on my Facebook is a privilege, not a right. And, uh, you can continue to follow me on Twitter and Instagram where I share other random things, but my Facebook is where it's more private and personal. And I think people have a really weird time with boundaries on the internet. That is very true. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a bit of a good uh, segue, actually, to the next question here for the show, because we talk about uh, close relationships and uh, sort of the idea that, um, I guess it comes a little bit to uh, a little bit of an aspect of privilege and, and that the idea of, like, if you, if you get a better start with, like, having more supportive, uh, emotionally um, intelligent people around you, um, that can often kind of help you get further faster versus if you're sort of unfortunately uh, born into a more kind of toxic or negative situation. Um, and then, you know, it'll take longer to kind of get where you're trying to go. And so I came with these concept of uh, high hats and heavy hats, which probably uh, at least high hats are pretty, pretty uh, obvious as people that hype you up and really try to like help you be your best self. And heavy hats are really kind of the opposite. They weigh you down. They discourage you. They make you doubt yourself. And the hope with this question, what I usually do is I, I sort of ask like to, you don't have to name any names, but like if you can give maybe an example of one of each with the the goal being to help people learn to identify what makes a good hype hat and what makes uh, what traits uh, signify someone who maybe maybe you didn't realize they were as much of a heavy hat and they're they are holding you back. Essentially, to try to help people figure out how to keep more of the good people around them and less of the bad people. <laughs> I think this is a great question because it took me a really long time to try and figure out like. Who, who those people were. Uh, 
And I think in the beginning, when I started to write for other places and when my, I don't want to say when my career was taking off, but when, when things started going well for me, there were a lot of people around me who I thought were high pats and they were definitely not that. Um, instead, they tried to sort of undermine what that was. Uh, a good example of this was um, there were people that I would hang out with and then they would sort of like talk me and sort of the work that I was doing and talk about how I wasn't really good at what I did or, you know, insert whatever here. And it's like, if those people are supposed to be your friends, would they, would they talk about you behind your back? And would they do it to your friend? the people who are also supposed to be your friends. So I think you really have to reflect on those types of things. Like, do you want to be friends with people who talk about your friends, but then also talk about you? Because spoiler alert, those people are not your friends. <laughs> and they're definitely not friends with the other people who are in your friend group. Like it's just a bad toxic situation all around. And I didn't realize that until it was like too late. Um, and it caused me a lot of like hurt and pain and it caused me to sort of like have to try and go out and find an entire other friend group because I didn't realize it until it was too late. Um, the people who I have around me now are some of the most like supportive, understanding, incredible, amazing human beings who through thick and thin understand, um, they, you know, there's been times where something that is like the smallest of wins, they will like send me flowers or like, you know, one of my friends has also been sick and I sent them chocolate cake and an Uber. Like we do things for each other in the big moments and in the small moments as well. And I think that's what friendship is, is that you recognize when you need to show up for one another and you recognize when, you know, in the good times and the bad, when you can be there for one another. And it's not about competing with other people. It's about being there for one another. You're there to support the person. And yeah, I think the people that I have in my life now, I couldn't imagine, like, I couldn't imagine them not in my life. They're the best people ever. And like, I love them so much. That's very good to hear. And yeah, I've had a few people kind of give that answer that they kind of spent, you know, their, their like more recent adult years making those distinctions and, you know, purging a lot of people who they realize like, oh, you're actually not a, a hype hat for me in my life. And, um, you know, the hope is that when people do identify who these negative presences are, that they are able to either um, cut them out or, you know, minimize contact or whatever, or potentially even just talk to them and 
get the person to realize that they need to like smarten up, which sometimes does happen. Um, yeah, there was actually, uh, I just tweeted about this or not tweeted. I posted about it on Instagram, but there's a, a book and it's okay. It's a book that's like, it skews kind of businessy. So, but like, it actually is a pretty good book for just in general, but it's called Crucial Conversations. And it actually deals with how, like, how do you have these tough conversations with people? How do you sort of like navigate when things like are happening? And I think the important thing is, is that if you want to be in relationship to people, you need to know how to communicate how you're feeling. So my best friend, like, deals with chronic migraines. They have like chronic illness. And some days they're like, hey, I can't really like text right now. I can't like do this right now. I love you. I'm thinking about you, but I just can't even look at my phone. I'm like, dude, it's totally fine. Like, I love you. I care about you. At the end of the day, I just want you to feel okay. You text me when you're good and we'll talk later. And I think it's about like communicating your needs, your wants and your boundaries, but most of the time people don't even do that. Yeah. It's, it's something that I am still learning about, but like, uh, like actually like I have a friend who she's, she's not a relationship therapist, but like, I feel like she very easily could be because uh, you know, I, I sort of reconnected with her more again recently and just the way that she describes uh, like, well, she's also polyamorous, so she has multiple partners. And in order to kind of do that, you really do need to have good communication. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've learned a lot, uh, and including one interesting little, little thing that, that, uh, actually this didn't come from her directly, but, uh, it, it's something that I, when I sort of saw it, wherever I saw it, it made me think of her. It say, I was saying that, you know, setting boundaries is usually something that you're kind of doing as like a self-care thing. Like you're trying to do it to protect yourself and look after yourself, but it is possible to set boundaries that are so kind of, uh, I guess, far, like broad reaching and, and kind of strict that they actually end up impacting other people unfairly. And so instead of it just being like, you're protecting yourself, you're actually kind of penalizing other people and maybe you don't realize it. So learning to identify that because it's not a case necessarily just because someone says like, I I won't do this or I won't put up with this, that like, oh, they're setting a boundary. They're allowed to do that. It's like, no, there's there's a line that you can't just be like, no, you can't do this because that's that impinges on my boundary. It's like, well, no, like that's impinging my free will and it's not like whatever, I don't know. Um, but that's just kind of something that uh, I, I'm just learning these different um, uh, angles and, and um, different. Uh, I'm not doing well with words at the moment. <laughs> it's kind of failing me, but uh, I think we we got uh, the, the point is is generally made there. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, so yeah, the next question, uh, kind of piggybacking off that, uh, we'll talk about mental health for, for a moment here. Um, the kind of base question here that I usually ask is like, um, what if any uh, mental health challenges have you dealt with in your life and what has worked for you to work through them? Um, you can be as uh, detailed or broad as you want. And uh, again, it's kind of like what's worked for you, but obviously we acknowledge that what works for one person isn't gonna work for everybody. Yeah. Um, well, like I mentioned, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD in 2015. Um, I have been through several therapy programs. Uh, I've done a trauma therapy program at the Women's College Hospital, and then I did a- another therapy program at Women's College Hospital, um, totally blanking on the name right now. And then I also see a therapist. He used to go once a week, but now I only see the, my therapist twice a month now, which is great. Uh, I take antidepressants, and I think it's taken a long time – it's taken a long time to get here. I mean, I don't think it's definitely been a work in progress. It's not something that happened overnight and been like, poof, trauma gone. Yay. Uh, but it's definitely been a work in progress. And it's been something um, that I I have definitely struggled with. Um, but oddly enough, this last year and a half, I guess, I don't know pandemic time can't remember <laughs> but i would say that this pandemic has been very as as tough as it's been uh has actually been quite helpful for helping me sort through the stuff that i needed to sort through uh in the sense that i feel like i was able to focus on myself for the first time in a really long time and to really say I need to like do this for me. Um, and there's a really great saying that for people who deal with trauma, um, they can't really recover until they're safe. Uh, and that's not to say that I haven't been safe for the last however many years, but it feels like for the first time, um, for example, my one of my abusers was finally outed and that has finally been put to bed and that feels really nice. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's, there's other elements of the trauma that was related has kind of like settled down and that feels really nice. So it feels like it's, I don't want to say like coming to a close, but you know, when one chapter is ending and another one is beginning, it feels like that is happening. And I, I'm like ready to accept that happening. And I feel good about that. Um, what that means for the next step, I, I have no idea, but uh, I'm still a very like, mentally ill person <laughs> and that's not going away. 
Again, I relate to several things that you have said, um, but I will, I'll leave it at that so that we don't run super long with this one. Yeah. Um, The next question here, we're getting close to the end. Uh, The next question here, I preface this one by saying failure isn't always a bad thing. It Mm -hmm. can be a good thing. Um, Sometimes when things don't go the way that we hope, uh, then we, we learn something or hopefully we learn something from them. And so I like to ask the guest, um, what is an example in your life, like a notable example for you of either something that you failed at or that didn't go the way that you would have hoped that it went, um, but you learned something important from it? And what was that? So I decided to apply for a Canada Arts Council grant last year, have never applied for a grant ever. I was just like, I can do this. Why not? Like, look at me. I'm a person who who writes things. Um, And it was, they had some grant option for people during the pandemic, put together this entire thing. Uh, I wanted to put a virtual storytelling event together with folks from across Canada. I spent weeks putting this package together, reaching out to all these folks, getting all of their headshots and bios and sourcing all of the budgetary items. And trust me, putting together a thing for the Canada Council is like, it's a lot. (laughs) Anyways, uh, it didn't go through, uh, which sucks, but I tried. Uh, and actually what I learned from that is a, how to, how to write a grant proposal, which is nice, but B, uh, I actually ended up turning that idea into what is now the podcast. So it's not quite a, a storytelling, uh, when Danita and I met for the very first time, I showed her what I wrote for the grant proposal. And I was like, listen, this is sort of like the vibe of what I wanted to do. And we sort of revamped it into like a podcast style. And it was just like, kind of going back to my point, I think previously, there's never bad ideas. If you actually believe in something, you can make it happen. So again, it's not like a virtual storytelling. It's now just a podcast and it's a little bit different. Uh, We're still telling the ideas and stories of like marginalized individuals, but now it's with a pop culture focus. (laughs) So we just changed it. It's just different. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely, um, you know, I've talked to a few other people who've uh, sort of been some, in some cases, like their, their pandemic baby project, or just um, taking something that was what they try to do one way, or they wanted to do one way. And, um, and like this show as well is a bit of that, because I, you know, years ago, when I started to get into YouTube, the fir- at first, that I would see certain channels and it'd be like, man, I would love to like work with them or do the kind of thing that they're doing, but they're like all in the States. And I'm like, I'm not going to move to the States to, mm-hmm. to work for a YouTube channel. Even if they'd have me, I'd probably be, I don't know. But um, it's like, I bet I would like to do something like that. And, and eventually I just, you know, I picked up the various skills and kind of knowledge and figured things out. And, and now I'm sort of doing it myself. Um, so I, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, so the next question here, we've kind of come throughout the course of the questions, we always tend to have some advice that just comes out um, indirectly, but I'd like to try to kind of consolidate it at the end and distill it into um, a little bit more uh, accessible. So I like to ask, um, and I break it up into three groups and you can give the same piece of advice to all three groups or you can give uh, different advice to each group. But what advice would you give to a teenager? What advice would you give to someone in their 30s? And what advice would you give to someone like your parents or grandparents age? Hmm. Okay, so if I was giving advice to a teenager, I would just tell them to relax you're not gonna have it all figured out by the time you're 30 because like it's just not gonna happen and to just have fun while you can because life gets serious when you get older uh so don't 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 sweat the small stuff just just enjoy it while you can uh and that's about it uh it will it will all get better once you get older which I know sounds cheesy, but true. <laughs> for for my 30-year-old self, uh, you know, I would say things are <laughs> things were terrible. <laughs> but uh, remember to just believe in yourself. You are your own worst enemy and you have to remember that you are smart enough, capable enough, and you can do this. And I think that sometimes for many of us, we need to hear that. We, we forget that sometimes we are we are our own worst enemies and we can stand in our own way and we build up so much anxiety and we build up so much um we just get like worried about these random things uh so just remember that you are smart you are capable and you can do it uh and it doesn't have to happen in the same time frame that other people are doing it. It can happen whenever. And just because it hasn't happened by the time you're 30 doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. It can happen on any time frame. So just keep plugging along and doing you. And then for someone who is my parents' age, um, you're not going to know everything and that's okay because things are always changing <laughs> and even, even I don't know everything, but you know, just try and try and keep up and keep learning and have an open mind. I, that's good. It's, it's simple and it's accessible. So that definitely, that definitely works. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so to, to kind of to end things on like the actual questions, I like to flip the script at the end and give the guest a chance to put me on the hot seat. Um, I completely forgot to like ask you ahead of time if you thought of a question. So I guess I'm going to get surprised here, but uh, <laughs> what would you like to ask me? What would I like to ask you? 
I guess. What what is something that you, you wanted to be when you were growing up? <laughs> well, I remember at one point, actually there's there's three things that I remember. Um mm-hmm. I wanted to be a cop at one point. Oh. <laughs> um, I wanted to be a firefighter because, again, those both seemed like they were like, you know, noble jobs helping people. And when I was really young, I got into hockey with my dad and uh, the like artwork on the goalies, like mat- mask and pads caught my attention. And I remember at one point that I was like, man, it would be so cool to like design those masks uh, when I, when I grow up and, um, I ended up uh, in, in like school. I would like draw drawn my like notes and stuff. When I was bored in class a lot, and I drew a lot of like you know that kind of stuff. And um, I didn't end up doing that, obviously, but it's still something that I'm really interested in. And uh, just sort of find other ways to kind of scratch that uh, that creative itch there. And I still want to help people and kind of do noble stuff. And it's one thing that I've found with with this show and like there's a lot of different types of projects that people can do that can uh, be accomplishing things that aren't super obvious. Um, Cause like one of the things about this show is like, it may seem like I'm just interviewing somebody and it's just kind of me and them, but uh, the kind of greater hope of it is to kind of get different like insights, different perspectives that, so that, anyone who watches any of these episodes can get something out of it, even if it's going to be something totally different for, you know, person A versus person Z. Um, and so, uh, and like, eventually I have other plans for kind of branching the show out more to do a few different things. And so some of the other uh, goals or values or things that I want to accomplish can still be done. Uh, maybe just not all of them in this particular format, but yeah <laughs> um, I love that yeah um i I don't think that i could uh I could handle being a firefighter at this point, and I definitely <laughs> do not want to be a cop anymore <laughs> i I also do not think I could be a firefighter it's um yeah, I'm not strong enough that's that's for sure. <laughs> there was a time when I could actually lift my own body weight in various forms, but I am certainly not that strong anymore. <laughs> I, I am a weak, a weak, weak person. So it's not happening. I mean, the pandemic's kind of done that to, to all of us, I think. But um, uh, yeah, with that, with that said, um, we'll do on each, on each episode. I also like to let the guest, uh, if there's any um, specific causes or charities that you would like to promote or raise awareness of, you can uh, do that now. Yeah. Um, so during June on the podcast, we were raising funds for the LGBTQ uh, youth line and I love the work that they do. And then more recently, I was raising funds, or sorry, not raising funds. Ugh, what am I talking about? The Indigenous uh, Residential School Survivors Society, uh, which I think is super important right now in Canada. Uh, as we know, all of the residential schools that are being found please go and give them all of your money, donate, raise funds, do whatever you got to do. Just give them your money. <laughs> so I would say those two. 
Very good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'll put those, uh, put an overlay up on the screen and they'll be in the show notes as well so that people can easily find that. And uh, just, you know, the show, every every episode on the screen, uh, I have a button, dedicated button for Black Lives Matter. And I was going to say Indigenous and trans rights are the other two that I usually uh, bring up the most. Um, and so, yeah, and so now it's our, our plug section. And uh, as with On the Fascinator, I will let you go first. So anything that you want people to know about that you've done or places that they can find you online, let us know what they are. Yeah, so you can find me online. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. So my Twitter and Instagram are both the same. It's at Amascriver. So that's A-M-A-S-C-R-I-V as in Victor, E-R. And then my website is also the same. So that's www.amascriv as in Victor E-R. And then also, if you're interested in listening to my podcast, uh, it's Pod, uh, and that is on Twitter and Instagram. And then www.highlowbrowpod.com. Uh, very nice. Sometimes I'm, uh, I miss when I try to unmute there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll, I'll put up an overlay for, for my own. I'll keep it short, but uh, the overlay will kind of show the, the audience. Uh, I am uh, at uh, ArtemisCreates.com. I am ArtemisCreates on just about every platform. I'm not on a couple, but, uh, and then Twitter and Instagram are the only two. There's an underscore in there because people had already gotten... The, the thing without unfortunately and i of course um but then yeah also the webs this show is uh, hatcollecting.com at hat collecting on uh, social media and i'm on patreon artemis creates um i also uh, you can um find i have i have a if you go to my website artemiscreates.com i have uh, a book i have actually a few books but one that's like an actual book that i like uh, an original book um it's a fiction a short fiction uh i have music on uh, spotify itunes bandcamp soundcloud um designs and merch you can also find and if you are listening to this through like itunes as a podcast if you want to like rate and review it uh, it would be very appreciated and of course uh on youtube if you're watching on youtube or even if you don't you just want to be supportive uh liking and subscribing on youtube uh is very appreciated and uh, the thing I sort of do for um, uh, audience uh, participation interaction is each episode I ask uh, if you um, do, if you don't mind going to YouTube and leaving a comment, what's your favorite thing that you learned or that we talked about or any questions that you have for me or the guest, uh, feel free to leave a comment on this episode and uh, I look forward to hearing, I should say, reading those, um, seeing those. Yeah, so now we come to the traditional hat sign-off part of the show, where we will each put on a hat and uh, wave goodbye to the audience. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> we both have the problem that we can't really put our hats on over our, our headphones well, so I'm going to have to just hold mine up. Um, yeah, this is, uh, since you're a writer and I sometimes write, uh, this is kind of my, like, investigative reporter uh, fedora kind of thing and you've got a uh, a funky would that be considered a baseball hat or is there kind of yeah it's like a... that's the closest thing yeah yeah um <laughs> but uh yeah oh, this is really really dark i feel lean more towards the the light and there's a little more 
That's uh, yeah. Anyways, that won't stay on my head well, so I'm just gonna <laughs> take it off. But yeah, thanks so much for for joining me, Emma. And yeah, I, I really appreciated your answers, and uh, uh, yeah, I think my 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 voice strain is probably pretty pretty evident at this point. So um, we will we will wrap this up. But um, was my oh yeah. So thank you again for watching and listening. I really appreciated it. Um, if you are a Patreon uh, subscriber uh, or supporter there as well, I extra appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I have other stuff. I'm all, oh yeah, I'm on Twitch. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> I'm on Twitch. Uh, I'm starting to get back into it a little bit more, but my health issues have been making it uh, unreliable uh, or inconsistent, I should say. But, uh, you know, I play games there and I like to, you know, interact, keep it kind of fun and casual, interact with people. So um, check that out if you can. And otherwise, until next time, uh, stay curious and keep collecting those hats. 